A guy talking to himself in the shed. I like to think there is a certain romance to that, a certain charm to this podcast uh, that you may or may not uh, experience from slightly <laughs> higher budget and more professional outfits. But within, in, in tow with that charm, you also have to kind of accept that, you know what, sometimes things kind of fuck up. Sometimes bad things happen with the, with the equipment that I'm blessed with. And and bad things did happen the other day. Um, I uh, sometimes I record these episodes on my lunch break. You'll be unsurprised to learn. Uh, I spent an hour talking and ranting, just like an insane person, in my cabin, in my shed, an hour ranting about Donald Trump and about Twitter and Elon Musk. And I streamed it live, by the way, like on my YouTube channel. And people were watching and listening. But like the, the whole thing, after an hour of doing it, I listened to a tiny bit of it back just to check, you know, like, oh, I hope that was OK. I'll just quickly check that the quality's OK, you know, before I publish it on Patreon and out on Apple and Spotify and so on. I listened to a tiny little snippet of it. Snippet of it and it was just like this crackling, like... <laughs> Like the mic cable had come a little bit loose. And the whole fucking thing completely unusable. Just complete, like, what a waste of time. But it's like, I suppose my point here is, you know what? It's low budget and I get to, I get to wear that cape that it's sort of, you know, do it yourself. It's a bit punk rock. It's not official. It's just a guy producing it himself. He's not in hock to anyone. I'm not aligned or affiliated with any political party. I just do this shit and it's independent and it's cool and it's, you know. But then with that comes the expectation that roughly one in 30 of these shows is going to be dog shit. There are no producers here. (laughs) There's no post-production to try and tidy it up. Go like, no, no, it's okay, eight. It's okay. Yes, it's a disaster, but we can fix it for you. There's none of that. It is just either the episode is or it is not. <laughs> anyway, on that basis, welcome to uh, to episode one, two. Is it one, two, four? We're on or one, two, five? I can't remember. Um, loads going on in the world. I should have a guest on tonight, by the way. But unfortunately, another thing doing like, you know, independent production is that when you when you book guests sometimes they have other shit that happens or they fall sick or their kids are unwell or you know their, their car breaks down you know and you just have to roll with the punches because it's like 
you know, you're not paying them to appear. So you're, you're kind of at the mercy of whether they can or cannot do it. And anyway, on this occasion, this particular guest, something has come up. And so here we are. It's just me and you. Just the two of us. Me and and you. So how are you? Are you okay? Are you, are you all right? Did, wait, no, hang on. This is... Uh, this isn't a transactional conversation, is it? This is just purely me speaking at you. Let's talk about what's in the news. Let's let's just go through the fucking news. Um, so Sky News' headline at the moment, Russians drown in chaotic retreat from Kherson as joyous locals hug Ukrainian soldiers. And Putin is told he will lose the Kremlin as well. Here's the thing, right? Do you think... Putin is crazy enough to, like, to let go of power. Do you think he's insane enough to just go, all right, I lost. Here's the keys. I'm I'm out of here. Like, no, I don't think. I think he's sort of, I think it's odds on certainty territory that this is a guy who will cling on to the bitter end. Because, like, I don't know if you've ever um, listened to Bill Browder. He's, uh, I think he's Canadian, a Canadian capitalist, investor. He spent a lot of time in Russia. And then uh, when all things started to go a bit shit there and they started to sort of seize property and assets and corporations and all, when, it, when things got a bit oligarchy, uh, he tried to sort of, you know, hotel it out of there and the government agents stormed in and like arrested his lawyer his lawyer i think died in um in prison over there a guy called uh magnitsky is his name that they named the act the magnitsky act i'm sure i'm mispronouncing that but um in an interview with him with bill browder he said putin can basically never leave power that's what he was saying he was like he can never leave power he like putin may well he may very well be the richest guy in the world is what browder was saying he was like he's got money over here he's got money in this guy's account he has overall control of these assets that he's sort of effectively bequeathed to this oligarch to run or that oligarch to look after but if he loses power, he loses all of that because he doesn't have, what, like the compromat to demand that these people then hand the shit back over. He doesn't have the command of the armed forces and secret police and, and all of that shit. Basically, he can't let go of power or he's fucked. So he's, you know, we're in this sort of strange situation now where when you've got presumably army generals telling him, Things are not going well in Ukraine, dude. We we might need to pull back. Or like, what was this headline? It said, um, Putin has been told he will lose the Kremlin as well. If people start telling him shit like that, I wonder if that personality, who is an obvious psychopath, if that personality, when backed into a corner, who cannot leave power, if he will then just go, do you know what? You know you're right. I can't lose this. Where's the button? Push it. Fuck it. Like, what are the lesser of two evils of the options for Putin? Is it that he loses the battle? He's humiliated. He goes broke, maybe gets thrown in jail, hauled like up at The Hague, 
You know, that is not a good outlook for Putin. Or, plan B, the guy fucking pushes the button, he remains president in Russia, and although, I don't know, a million or five million people are incinerated, maybe? Like, he himself is okay. Which of those options do you think he's going to choose? Which of those those options that are open to him, do you think that this proven fucking psychopath is, is he going to go for self-preservation at all costs? Do you think? Or is he going to suddenly go, do you know what? I've had my fun. I've had, it's been a, it's been a good time. I've had fun. Maybe I'll just, you know, take a couple of suitcases of cash and hotel it out of it. I think he's going to go for the nuke button. And I don't mean to scare you, but it's, you know, if you look at these things laid out on the table, Ask yourself, like, what is the most probable of outcomes here based on the behavior that we've seen, based on the historical events that we've witnessed? What do you think is the most likely outcome from Vladimir Putin at this stage as he's being encircled and his advisors are telling him he will lose the Kremlin as well? In fact, you know what? Are his advisors even saying that to him? Are they really? (laughs) Because... I remember at the beginning of this whole, like, military project or whatever it was that he was marketing it as. How did they market it again? They didn't report it as an invasion on Russian television, did they? They didn't report it as, um, an inv- like, Russia is invading Ukraine. Uh, they said it was a mili- military operation, didn't they? Um... But right at the beginning of this military operation, I remember reading reports where it, where it said like, "Oh, Putin is not looking well." Yeah, he'll, he'll. I've seen people like this before at his stage of whatever mysterious, ambiguous illness this is. I, I, I'm absolutely positive he'll be dead in probably three weeks. I remember reading news stories like that. Like, oh, fucking really, Mystic Meg? <laughs> He's still up and walking around. Like how? Like a year later? Is it now? Has it really been a year? Fuck. So when you read this stuff like, you know, a year ago. And they're like, he's uh, he's on his last legs. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Like, and this was in mainstream news. This wasn't in like the National Enquirer or fucking, you know, Guido Fawkes or some shit. This was in like the, the Mail and, you know, the Guardian and all over Twitter and verified accounts before you could pay to have them verified. But, you know reasonably uh the, the like the kind of outlets the kind of journalists or academics who you would expect to hear something close to valid information from not misinformation and yet you know here we are a year later and he's just perfectly fine you know so if if they were willing to kind of lie i mean lying's probably a strong word but if they were willing to kind of misrepresent or to report what they hoped to be the truth back then, then can we really accept and, you know, take at face value these reports now that Putin is being told by his advisors that he will lose the Kremlin as well? I'm not sure if I buy it. The other big story this afternoon is that there is a confirmed, like, movement towards recession, basically. We are now, what is it Sky News say? They say first step towards recession as the economy shrinks 
official GDP figures show. First step towards recession. The UK economy contracted by 0.2% in the third quarter, prompting the Chancellor to warn that the tough road ahead will require extremely difficult decisions. About you. That's the bit that they missed off there. <laughs> we're, we're all going to have to take some really difficult decisions about your welfare. Like, that's... It's never like... Well, you know, we've spoken to the billionaires. We've spoken to the CFOs and, you know, subject matter experts and investors. And, you know, we, between all of us, we've we've agreed that there are some difficult decisions that we as billionaires and investors, that we are all going to have to take and take on board. It's never that shit, is it? It's always like, well, I don't know. Some of us are going to have to, you know... Buck up, we're going to have to pull up our socks and we're, oh, we're going to have to tough it out together. Guys, we've all got to cut our cloth a little. They mean you. <laughs> Jeremy Hunt is not going to be cutting his cloth. Rishi Sunak will still be walking around in £3,000 fucking shorts styled as trousers <laughs> with his Rolex watch eating lobster for dinner or some shit. You know, Bentley pulls up to take him and his wife out for a little spot of something out in Mayfair. These guys mean you. They always mean you. It's like, guys, we've just got to tough it out a little bit more. Like, how fucking long and how many times do we have to tough it out? Like, it started in the 2008 crash. They were like, look, we had to bail out the banks. And, uh, you know, we've got to do austerity. And I know that it's painful, guys. I know it's really hard. I know that. But we've all just got to do our part. Started there, didn't it? And then it went through to Theresa May with the just about managings. Do you remember that shit? Even when she stood outside number 10, she was like, I'm here for the people who are struggling. And I'm like that speech outside number 10 when she became prime minister was basically her saying, look, I'm going to stick up for the people who are struggling. And then in, in her premiership, she talked about the just about managing. I think that's right. I think I'm remembering it that it was her doing the jams. And it, it went right through to Boris Johnson. You've lent, you've lent us your v -v 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 vote, vote. And we, 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 we won't let you down. Right through his premiership. The very brief moment that Liz Truss was prime minister. And now we're seeing it again with Sunak. But we've all got to, we're going to have to take some difficult decisions. We're just going to have to take one more of your kidneys. It's like, how fucking, we will end up sucking dick in underground London bathrooms for five pounds a pop. I'm pricing my own, you know, fellatio technique at about five pounds. Um, you know, I mean, I've never I've never sucked a dick, so I, I don't it wouldn't be fair to charge more than that for someone who is effectively a trainee. Right. So five pounds it is. Uh. <laughs> this this episode is sort of, you know, ad hoc morphed into me advertising myself as some sort of sex worker, apparently. But you know what? Times are tough in this cost of living crisis. The Patreon money is simply not going to get me through this. Um. Where was I? Oh, yeah, right. So 
We are going to end up in underground toilets in London, sucking off strangers for five pounds. And these motherfuckers will still be like, you just got to cut back a little bit more. Like, like as you're sucking the dick, as you're swallowing that shit down, a top-hatted Tory cunt will be right behind you, carving out your organs. I just got to take your liver as well. When is it going to stop? When are we actually going to have a breather? When are we just going to sit back and go like, like, like how, how wild is this, right? That you could, like, you could fantasize, right, about a political era. Imagine a politician coming out with something along these lines, right? Imagine this shit. This will blow your fucking mind. Imagine a, let's say, a conservative politician, but it could be someone in Starmer's front bench if, if indeed they win the next general election. Imagine a politician coming out and saying, I know that things have been really, really tough and we've had it hard for so long, but I can now confirm that the tough times are over. Like, doesn't that just blow your fucking mind <laughs> that you would ever hear a politician say that? The tough times are over. I know we asked you to cut your cloth. I know that we said about, you know, cutting back on the NHS and that we were going to have to bring in teaching assistants instead of, quote unquote, proper teachers. And I know that we like before we couldn't afford to give the nurses a pay rise. I know that times have been really, really tough. And I thank you all for getting through it with me and with us. But now the tough times are over and I'm pleased to announce that we can all just fucking unclench our buttocks. We're back. Like, isn't that the most fucking opulent fantasy? How far are we from that? Like, how low have we sunk? How, how, um, God, what's the word? How conditioned have we become to, like, perma-misery, perma-crisis, just constantly, like, like, it is a wonder that I don't have seizures in the ligaments of my body from having, like, thrown my arms up so many times, just like, what the fuck is going on now? Like, I'm in a permanent state of exasperation and shock, and my jaw is on the floor so much. It's like, if I just adopted a normal human pose, I think I'd probably pull a muscle. I may need physiotherapy or some shit if I was just able to sit back and breathe out and just be like ah oh, all right we've fucking made it through that shit all right okay anyway we're drifting off point somewhat here as per usual let's get back on it so the UK economy contracted by 0.2% in that third quarter um, it says the quarterly GDP is the value of all goods and services produced during a three month period and is a measure of the health of the economy. Well, fucking great. Uh, the official definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. So if we shrink for two, like six months, then then we're in recession. Right. But I think there's this, you know, look, I don't, I don't are we in the second quarter now of shrinking? Or like, because I'm sure that I read something a couple of weeks ago where they said we're in recession in all but name. 
Like it's understood that we are basically in recession now. And here's the wild thing. See if you think this is weird as well, dear listeners. Because in a world that is this insane, sometimes it's like, am I the sane one? Or is everyone else sane and actually I'm the insane one? Because none of this makes fucking sense to me. So, but it's like in, in a political period where I think it's safe to say that there is an obsession with growth, right? An obsession with returning to GDP growth with all of the trimmings that that would bring with more financial support to the NHS and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, to get back to that period, I was just talking about like, okay, look, we've made it through. We've made it through the tough times and now the nurses can have a pay rise and blah, blah, blah. We have this obsession with growth. So why is it that something that would foster growth as obviously as rejoining the single market is just completely dismissed. It's like it doesn't even feature in the suite of possible solutions. Well, guys, you know, we've got to get back, uh, got to get back to growth. We've got to do something to inspire growth. We might have to slash hospitals, shut this school. We might have to, like, bonfire of the Krangos all over again. Yeah, yeah. No, we will close your A&E. Are you positive that you need to do that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because we have to go for growth. We've got to cut our cloth. We have to slash these services. There's no other way to get back to growth. Have you considered rejoining the single market? Gotta be some other way. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's so obvious. And it, and it's not even like this would be an unpopular solution. It's like, I know that when the Brexit vote happened, there was a lot of misinformation, misrepresentation, a lot of cynical pivoting and grandstanding from the usual names that everybody wheels out. I know that it was a dodgy referendum. I know how you all feel about it and indeed how I feel about it. But that was at a time when there was genuine support for the idea of leaving the European Union, right? That was at a time when the the debate, if you like, the subject, the idea of going, maybe we could be better off on our own. Maybe we could be more successful. Like, I think it's fucking ludicrous. I'm not an idiot. You're not an idiot listening to this. But at the time, there was this position, this stance that was adopted. Like, maybe we could we could do it better on our own. Right. And a lot of people bought into that. But now is not then. (laughs) This is not that. Now where we are is there is like a 60 percent, 65 percent swing Of people who are like, we think leaving the EU was a mistake. Like, it's not even like it says. And if that was an election, it would be a very, very comfortable victory. If that was a referendum rerun, it would be a very, very convincing victory for staying in the EU. Most people have decided either because they feel logically we would be better off in the EU or because they see in retrospect it was a mistake leaving the EU and it's simply not worth the chaos and the pain. Most people now... 60 to 65% of motherfuckers out there are like, yeah, that was a fucking dumb move. <laughs> so so you have to assume that the polling for this particular policy have not 
jumping straight back into bed with the EU, obviously, that might raise some eyebrows, but warming to Europe again, jumping into the single market and not being like held to the to the actual construct, like the EU, the constructs of the European Union, but joining the single market to inspire the growth that you seem so fucking obsessed about would seem to me to be a blindingly fucking obvious solution. And yet, how insane is it that it is immediately dismissed? Like, you don't even... <laughs> you don't even get to suggest it to them. Like, it's, it's dismissed so quickly, you don't even finish suggesting it. It's like, here's, here's how that conversation would go. It's like, yes, we are, um, we are absolutely committed uh, to, uh, to getting growth back uh, for the UK economy. We are absolutely, we're obsessed with growth. Are you? Okay. Um, if you want growth, have you considered rejoining the single, why don't you fuck off? Fuck off. Like that would, that's how that conversation would go. I mean, I, I just thought like, Joining the single market quite clearly would would help, you know, bring down some of those trade barriers. People could sell more of their shit. Stands to reason that that would help you if what you're going for is growth. I thought I told you to fuck off. Like that's, <laughs> it's just, it wouldn't be considered. And I suppose the reason it wouldn't be considered is because if they did come out all like, you know, pro-Europe again, they would just be uh, fucking mauled by like this reform party who are all over my Twitter timeline now saying that they have like they're polling at something like 8%, is it? They seem to interpret that as like 8% of the country. <laughs> they're like 8% of people are uh, all about reform party stuff now. So the Tories should be scared. So that's not how it works. Nobody, like 8% of the UK are not voting for reform. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. I am sorry to shit on your dreams. But it's not, that is not how this is going to work. The only way that would work is if you got fully on board with campaigning for proportional representation. And then you might get some sort of say in Parliament. You get some sort of uh, reflection of those people's attitudes in the House of Commons. And like Femi said on this podcast a few weeks ago. Like that, to some people, that's quite scary, right? The idea of having people like Richard Tice or Nigel Farage or, you know, you, you fucking fill in the blanks. The other other endless buffet of bellends out there. But if they got elected in like, you know, one place or if they got 8% of the vote in one, like it, it would actually be a positive thing to have them in the House of Commons where they could be debated, right? Because... Where they are now, outside of the House of Commons, they're free to just appear on, like, what, Question Time and Good Morning Britain and all of the other places where it's, I'm sorry to say, it's quite a cushy environment for them. On Question Time, particularly. As the endless rotating of Nigel Farage being on there attests. If we could actually have them, this is, you know, I'm sort of paraphrasing Femi here. But if we could actually have them up in the House of Commons saying their nonsense, you would also have their counterparts from the Green Party, Lib Dems, Labour, whoever, who could then pull them apart and expose them for being the fucking chances that they are. It would be like, I would sit back with popcorn 
and a an IPA probably. Um, I would tune in for PMQs way more than I do now. Um, anyway, let's let's move on, guys. Let's find an, another story that we can uh, that we can delve into. Man arrested on UK COVID ward is US rape suspect Nicholas Rossi. What the fuck? Man arrested on UK COVID ward is an American rape suspect who faked his own death. Wow, there's a lot to unpick here. Okay, let's let's take the little uh, nuggets out, shall we? Let's let's just pick them out separately. So there's a man on a COVID ward in Scotland. And he gets arrested. And it turns out that he is this guy from America who was suspected of rape. But that guy, he faked his own death, is, is what I'm reading here. It says Nicholas Rossi's claims of mistaken identity were dismissed as scandalous and implausible and fanciful by the court sheriff in Edinburgh. Do we still have court sheriffs? I know this is probably not the most important aspect of this story to focus on. I'm sorry. Um, it says a court has ruled for the first time that a man arrested on a COVID ward in Scotland is American rape suspect Nicholas Rossi. Uh, the sheriff said, I'm ultimately satisfied on the balance of probabilities by the evidence of fingerprint, photographic and tattoo evidence taken together. Supported by the evidence of changes of name that Mr. Knight is indeed Nicholas Rossi. Uh, the person sought for extradition by the United States. I mean, that takes some fucking balls, doesn't it? That takes some fucking balls to like to have <laughs> to have tattoos, which they've clearly identified you with, photographic evidence, and your fucking fingerprints matching. And they're like, "Are you Nicholas Rossi?" No, no, no. I'm 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 a totally different person. Right, okay, I mean, like, your tattoos are the same, your fingerprints are the same, and uh, look, you look identical to this photo of this gentleman, and you're saying you, that's, that's not you? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't prove that that is me. Well, it's just, man, like, <laughs> it's the, the odds of you having the same fingerprint as someone else, what, what even are those odds? Like, one in... Let's say one in 10 million people have very, very similar fingerprints, right? But that's like one finger, surely. To have the same fingerprints across all 10 of your fingers. Let's say, I mean, look, I'm pulling stats out of my arse here, clearly. But let's say that it is one in 10 million. So then what is that? One in 100 million for all 10 fingers and thumbs? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it could happen. You can't prove that it's that is not what's happening here. <laughs> and and then the odds that these two people, these two fucking finger doppelgangers, that they share the same, they both simultaneously decided to have the same tattoo. And they're both exactly the same age or near to it, right? They both look the same. <laughs> they share the same fingerprints and they look the same, facially the same. And they just purely coincidentally both got the same tattoo. <laughs> it probably says the name of his kids as well. It's like, Daddy loves Nikki and Abigail or something like on his on his back or on his shoulder. <laughs> it's like, 
Why would you? Why would you get that tattoo though? That says Daddy loves Nikki and Abigail. If like they're not like, because they're Nicholas Rossi's kids, it makes sense that he would have that tattoo. But why do you have that tattoo if you're not Nicholas Rossi? I just like the guy. I saw saw a guy with a tattoo, and <laughs> I like those names. All right, it's it's fine. It's just a. It was a stupid idea. I know. Like the fucking odds. Of this guy not being that guy. To then have the balls to sit there in a police interview room and go, yeah, no, it's uh, it's totally not me. Like, it's that is a level of self-confidence thinking that you can sell that shit. That is a level of confidence it would take fucking years to achieve in therapy, which ironically is perhaps something that this individual needs quite desperately. Um... It says Fugitive Rossi, 35, is wanted in connection with sex attacks on three different women in Utah and is also alleged to have committed a number of other crimes across the US. The authorities say he fled the US to avoid prosecution and attempted to trick investigators into believing he was dead, even attempting to hold a fake memorial mass to commemorate his passing. Attempting to. Attempting to hold a fake memorial mass. I mean, the fact that it's, um, you know, it's it's a memorial rather than a funeral. Like, that's kind of... I'd, I'd be a little bit like, shouldn't there be a coffin? Where the fuck's the coffin? Oh, it's a memorial. It's not a funeral. Right, okay. Was that in his... Was that his last wishes or something? To not have an, an actual funeral? Because that seems... I don't know. A memorial is something that you do when someone goes missing at sea, Right? Bin Laden probably had a memorial. People who got like blown up in a bus by terrorists probably have memorials. But a guy who's... Has it even said what he's said that he died from? Reminds me of that episode of Friends. Do you remember that episode where Ross holds his own funeral? And these people who used to know him turn up for this funeral and you know there's photos of him like there would be at anyone's funeral right i mean you would have photos of the person whose funeral it is you wouldn't have photos of ross from friends at anyone's funeral it's that would be weird why would you do that i mean that is bizarre I, even if that was in somebody's last wishes by the way i want loads of pictures of ross from friends at my funeral it's weirdly important to me i i, I don't know if that's uh necessary i don't know if that's (laughs) the granddad passes away yeah i think granddad lost his mind towards the end because that's what he asked us for for his his memorial serve anyway that episode of friends he organizes his own funeral and then this woman i think this woman doesn't she turn up and she's like she starts telling people like I always had a bit of a crush on him. And then, you know, he steps out of the wardrobe because he's so like, oh, my God, like you had a crush on me. Like, I'm not dead, really. Like, and obviously it freaks her out. And she's like, who the fuck does this? Like storms off. That is kind of like this. That level of insanity is, you know, that was written for comedic effect in a tacky US sitcom. I mean, I actually quite like Friends. No, no shade, Friends. I I thought it was all right. Um, That level of shit comedy that was written for the purposes of amusing cretins like me when it went out on a Friday night after a couple of beers 
that level of tackiness has now been applied by this chap. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking sort my own funeral out. Fuck it. Anyway, so he's that he he ran his own fake memorial mass to commemorate his passing, but he was tracked via Interpol uh, through an arrest warrant to a hospital in Glasgow where he was undergoing treatment for COVID nineteen. I mean, if if there is to be some you know small mercy here, some silver lining to this darkening cloud it might be that if he does succumb to his COVID-19 troubles if if he does struggle to breathe and suffers respiratory failure and passes away at the very least guys there is a happy ending to this story in the sense that he has already kind of you know curated his own memorial service you could just fucking you know bit of a do-over it's like, F- Father Raymond, it's fight. like, yes, can we go again? Version 2.0. <laughs> you know the lines, we've done, that was a dress rehearsal, now we're fucking going for it. Since his arrest, it says, he has insisted he is a victim of mistaken identity. Like I said, a lot of balls. And that his name is Arthur Knight. And that he is an Irish orphan who has never visited the US. Now, right... I'm going to go out on a limb, limb here, a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I mean, this is just getting, somebody should write a fucking movie about this guy. Because this is getting a little bit outrageous. This is getting a little bit, the truth is stranger than fiction, right? If you were writing this as a Netflix box set or, you know, a trashy ITV three-part drama, if I said to you, yeah, the, like the protagonist in it is... um He's American and he's wanted for sex crimes. Uh, he comes over to the UK. He's in Scotland. Uh, then he's he tries to spin this fucking yarn about he's not the person who they think he is, even though the odds of the factors that we went through, even though that's like a fucking billion to one, but he's still sticking. No, I'm not, I'm not that guy. No, not at all. And then if I tried to fucking marinate this horseshit story to you, if I tried to get this commissioned and I was pitching it to you and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot the, the best bit. Yeah. Even though he's American, even though we absolutely know certainly that he is this guy, this American. He also on on top of it, on top of saying it's mistaken identity, he says that he is actually Irish. Like he's 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 not just trying to pass himself off as, you know, I'm not that American. I'm a different American. <laughs> He's also putting on what I think it's fair to say is a terrible Irish accent. <laughs> really trying to sell it to them. Sell it to the cops. Putting on his Amdram hat. Like, you could just fucking hear it, can't you, in your head? Now, he's trying to pretend to the police that he's not this American, that they definitely know he is. And to really sell it to them, he's like... Oh, to be sure, to be sure. No, my name's Arthur Knight. Like, doing a little jig and everything. And Have you got any Guinness? Like, we know Americans. I know Americans. You know Americans. We love Americans. But they do lean into stereotype quite comfortably. If you tell an American that you're British, the first thing out of their mouth is a joke about how bad your teeth are. Or maybe 
actually, it's not the fact that they're American. Maybe it's just people are actually quite bullish to me about my teeth and they are quite bad. But, <laughs> but I know enough Americans that they, you know, they subscribe to that stereotype about Brits having bad teeth. Uh, when you see an American TV show and there's an Irish character in it, what kind of stereotypes do they wheel out? When you when it's an American TV show and there's a Scottish person in it, like in The Simpsons, it's like um, uh, Groundskeeper Willie, right? What kind of a person is Groundskeeper Willie? Is he a normal person who happens to be Scottish? Or is he a walking, talking, fucking stereotype, knocking back the whiskey with a kilt on that barely makes any sense because he's fucking hammered all the time? Which one of those two is... Like, they lean so comfortably into stereotype that I feel confident saying that when this guy attempts to sell it to the police, like, no, no, I'm a total different person. I, my name's Arthur Knight. I can almost guarantee that he's like... To be sure, to be sure. Jesus. The fucking balls on this guy. Guys, I'm going to have to cut it there because uh, this is my lunch break. Uh, I don't want to be too, you know, I don't want to take the piss. I want to get back to work, earn the money and try to make my way through this cost of living crisis. Uh, If you enjoy these episodes, um, please don't be a stranger. Jump on the Patreon. It's super cheap. It's only three quid a month. And that is just enough to buy me a beer, a little can of IPA or something, which I will probably consume while recording one of these episodes. Um, and they, do you know what? They're a lot of fun. I love doing these. I love putting them together. Um, it can, do you know what? It can be a little bit stressful sometimes when guests back out last minute. Um, but that's fine. Totally understandable. It does happen. And like I say, 90% of the time, the guests are being actually really good to me by even agreeing to come on i feel um so i i totally understand when they can't make it um but it does you know it's a lot of work it's a lot of effort and collation and coordination to put these shows together i just work incredibly hard to make it look really haphazard and low budget and punk rock uh if you do want to jump on patreon it's uh, patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. The cheapest one is £3 a month. And as I say, that will buy me a beer. Uh, next one up is £5 a month. That gets you exclusive invites to the London meetups. Uh, the next one that's taking place is on the 3rd of February. And that is a live podcast, guys. A live event. Uh, I'm looking at getting it's me, Supertansky, and a couple of other prominent names from the uh, political and sort of activist sphere. Going to try and keep it, keep it light, though. Keep it fun. Uh, and tickets for that are going to go out first to the Patreons. So they will get first look access to that. And indeed, you get first look access to all episodes of the podcast two days before everybody else. Um, and that's on an RSS feed. If, you, if you're reasonably technical, I give you an RSS feed, right? And you put that into your podcast player, your Apple Podcasts thing, or I guess Spotify or whatever. Uh, and then you get your podcast straight to that, like two days early. So that's cool. Oh, also, we have a Discord chat, guys, where anyone that's on the Patreon can join this Discord channel. And we just talk shit about Tories and we share memes and we, yeah, I don't know, just have a good time in there, really. Uh, so if you want those first look access to the podcast and you want to come along to the live meetups um, and you want uh, the RSS feed and the Discord and, and all, all of the above, uh, don't be a stranger. Do jump on to patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. Um, having said that, if you're not in a position to chip in three quid a month, uh, then that's fine. You know, times are tight for everybody. All I would say is please do consider sharing the podcast around. 
pop a tweet out, shove it on Instagram, pop it in WhatsApp to a friend of yours uh, and say, look, I've been listening to this guy. He does podcasts. He like talks about politics. He talks shit. He swears a lot. He drinks beer. And yeah, he's, you know, I, I've enjoyed it. Maybe you will too. Share me about because uh, that helps the podcast to grow. And honestly, word of mouth is fucking everything in this game. So, um, oh, the other last thing, you get credited at the end of the podcast. Uh, so right now, in that spirit, let's say a special thank you to each of the uh, the Patreons. Uh, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Aaron, Chris and Ricardo. And then Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah, Paul and Kerry. Thank you so much to you guys. Uh, your support means everything to me. And I really hope that you're enjoying the content. Uh, until next time, I'll be, well, I'll be back next Wednesday with a solo show. But next Friday night, I've got another guest booked in. I'll catch up with you all soon. Until then, take care. Ciao for now. We outie. Oosh, oosh.